All right, this is episode 143 of the Church Collective Podcast. We're here with Ryan Lochi, Josh White, Adam Dahlhanick, and me, Chris Bellamy. And uh, we've been getting some questions on Instagram, um, and we're going to tackle some of those questions. Yeah, for sure. So if you're not following us on Instagram, you need to hop over there and connect. We'll post questions like this anytime we hop on for episodes of the podcast. would love to answer your questions. would love to even have you potentially on the podcast. So uh, go ahead and reach out to us over on Instagram. Uh, send us a DM or, you know, whatever. We're, we're all over there. So first question we got that I think is pretty common for a ton of people is how can you prevent or treat burnout? Um, which I know this is just a... A hot topic for me and my church, at least personally, it feels like um, we have 50 tasks to do and we only have the volunteers and staff to be able to handle 30 of them. And at the end of the day, sometimes we have to decide which ones are going to happen and which ones don't happen. And a lot of times those decisions don't line up with the expectations of those that are over us. And um, I think when we try to make sure all 50 are done, we roll ourselves into the potential for burnout. Um and I think there's a joke between worship musicians and worship teams and pastors. And it's always like, how do you avoid burnout? And it's like, I don't know, man, I just learned how to live with it. And that's like a funny joke, but also not so funny because that's how a lot of us live. Um, what about you guys? Yeah, I I think a big thing that you have to first do is diagnose what you're calling burnout. So if you're in a season where you're on a platform or a position that you're doing something that you're not passionate about, but you know it's a season, um, that's not burnout. That's mm. just you filling a role that needs to be filled. So if you're just not satisfied or satiated in what you're doing, just understand that you're in a season. But if you walk back into your season, the thing that you are passionate about, you don't want to do that anymore, then that might be a real case of burnout. But I was talking to somebody recently about this idea of burnout and they were telling me that a lot of what they do has to have creative balance. So he's a, he's a part-time producer, um, you know, full-time husband and, and, and father of like three kids living in LA. And so he was telling me that he has to have creative outlets that isn't producing music. Like producing music is a creative outlet for him, but he has to do something um, in a way almost mediocre compared to his actual job for him to keep a balance. Mm. So I think that might be a way, but one of the biggest things I think for me personally has been I've got to separate my identity, who I am, with the thing that I can do. When I do that, I have um, this sense of when I go home, my job has been clocked out. Like I'm, I'm not in that identity anymore. I'm going to give it my nine to five and that's it. And at least for me, my personal case, uh, leaving my identity as Josh, a producer, Josh, a musician, Josh, a pastor at my desk during Monday through Friday and going home being Josh, a husband, um, that allows me that balance, that creative balance, balance that I need to avoid burnout. Mm. Yeah, the, the time uh, is – the way that you divide your time is going to have a huge effect in this because, um, you know, the no, nobody sets out to go, oh, I'm going to be burnt out. Uh, it's like a friend of mine who was talking about how much he's spending on uh, cable and Netflix and Hulu and all these things. And he said, I didn't spend – step like plan to spend $250 a month, but one, he realized recently that he was spending that much money. Because he first got his 
cable setup, and then he had Netflix. And then over time, he added Amazon Prime, and he added Hulu, and he added add-ons with Hulu, and he added all of these different options, and then it added up. And I think that's what happens in our uh, scheduling our lives is, oh, you know, I can handle what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. um, especially for the worship leader or the, the, the team member who's uh, bivocational or volunteer. I can handle what I'm doing right now. And then we add on one more thing and we could handle that for a season, but for it to be sustainable long term, that's not a realistic hope. And so then we add another thing and another thing. And the next thing we know, we have compiled so much into our schedules unintentionally that we just crash and burn. And that's where that burnout idea comes from. Instead of evaluating like um, my previous church, I was a full-time pastor but I wore a lot of different hats. So I couldn't give a hundred percent to any one thing I was in charge of. And seasonally things would have to kind of pull back. Like I was the youth pastor. So in the summer and during certain times of the year, youth ministry got the majority of my time, but around the times where small groups, there was two key times a year for small groups to rev up. Small groups got the, the attention, my attention uh, and youth ministry didn't in this, not in the same way. And so, um, so I think when it comes to those things, it's like realizing that, uh, you know, we don't have infinite resources. We don't have infinite bandwidth. And, uh, then we kind of figure out, okay, this is how much I can handle. But what happens is we pile on, we pile on, we pile on. And then all of a sudden we just spin out of control Mm. in a spectacularly horrible way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I can always tell when I'm getting close to burnout, when, when you walk in the doors, or you pull up to the parking lot and you just have that feeling of like, oh man, another, another day, you know, as opposed to being excited. And I think we should be in a place where we're excited. Um, and for me, what helps is getting away when, when I'm able to get away, even just for a weekend, um, just going somewhere else, um, whether it's, you know, a vacation or, you know, doing other things. Um, when I come back, I'm excited to see my team again. I'm excited to see the church. I don't feel so negative, but when I, when I'm, when I'm just there for a, for a long period of time, um, I, I start nitpicking things. I start, you know, getting negative about things. I start, mm-hmm. um, criticizing things you know um and that's to me that's that's how you can tell like people say like well how do you tell when burnout's coming you know when you start feeling negative like that it's burnout is right around the corner um because you're 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 on the verge of exploding um but i think a lot of a lot of um worship leaders or worship pastors um they put so much uh, work on their own plate and they have a hard time delegating, um, and they 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 can't let go. You know, I, I've sure. I've talked to some some worship leaders that are like, "Well, I can't even take a vacation because I'm the only person." And I'm like, "Well, man, that should be your first priority is finding somebody that can help you out, somebody that can take your place when you're gone, because you shouldn't have all that, you know, that that weight on you." Um, so just like training up somebody to take your place and not having that fear of them stealing your job. 
um, is a healthy place to start. And also, um, you know, we at our conferences, we, we do the, the class on production managing um, and, and just knowing that no matter how big your church is or how small your church is, having a production manager that can take, take care of all the things that you don't need to be worrying about um, and just making a list, a checkoff list and having somebody or multiple people that can, you know, do all those things and take stuff off of your plate is, is mm-hmm. crucial. Um, I know so many, so many worship leaders in like a hundred to 200 person churches where they, they're, they don't realize it, but they're the worship pastor, the worship leader and the production manager, you know? And that's just too much for one person, even if it is a smaller church. You know, it's just too much. Um, so, yeah, finding people to, to take to take those things that that doesn't have to be you doing them, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. is crucial. So as as you were talking, Chris, I wrote a few things down, and I think these might just be some good technical ways for someone to avoid burnout. I think number one if you don't know the vision or the mission of your church, why your church exists and you're a worship leader there, if you're not in burnout mode right now, you will be very soon because what you're doing is showing up to do a position, but you're not showing up to utilize your passion. So if you aren't passionate about your church's why, if you're not passionate about your church's mission or vision, you're on the fast track to burnout. Mm. Um, I think another one is you need a job or a position where you can be yourself, um, where you can talk authentically, where you can be transparent with the people around you, um, that your strengths are magnified and that your position becomes your passion. So whatever you're passionate about, that in, should be the end result, should be your full-time position there. Um, two other ones, and this is actually two that I have written by my desk, to make your daily work rewarding. Um Whatever you're doing that day, do it with a purpose and that don't create stupid rules. Don't create a culture where you're doing a task list, where you're looking at it and you're just saying, this is dumb. Why do I have to do this? If you're asking yourself why you're doing something, figure out if it's needed. If it's not, don't do it. That's good. I I think soul care uh, really applies to this as well because – I, I'm pouring out of myself, my energies, my emotions, and I need to be filled up. Um, I, need, I need to take care, not just of my physical body and my emotional health, but my spiritual health. And when you um, not just read the statistics or the reports, but when you talk to people in, in my church or in any church and you find out that how the average Christian tends to not care deeply for their soul, uh, because they haven't, and I don't mean that judgmentally, maybe they haven't been taught or shown or discipled. Um, but if we who are in positions that require more giving, more service, uh, if we're acting like the average person, we're going to be chewed up even even more extremely because we we're being poured out more fully. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we aren't taking care of the basics of of prayer, Bible study, personal worship, seeking the filling of the Holy Spirit, being in community. You know, a lot of us are really good on stage and people think that we're really outgoing, but the truth is like, if you're like me, we're introverts who go and hide after church. Um, and, 
and I have to choose to want to be connected to other people. So all of those things kind of come into play and you find out that like, how did this person burn out? This person was the greatest worship leader, the greatest um, uh, administrator, the greatest uh, tech and light guy. And they just, they're done what happened. And then you find out that they oftentimes weren't taking care of the basic spiritual disciplines yeah. that go with health. This is the same That's as, the, you know, how did that guy have, have a heart attack? Well, uh, too much red meat, not enough gym. Like that, that we, we all know that works in our physical bodies and our spiritual health is the same. Yeah. Also, I think, um, not just staff, but you know, our volunteers can be on the risk of, of getting burnout. Um, and I'm constantly reminding, um, my volunteers of, um, you know, Colossians, the verse where it says, whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. So a lot of times when volunteers are working, not with that in mind, but they're working for, um, you know, um, if it say it's a small church and it's a teenager that's serving and they're more thinking about, um, what the, their parents think or what their relatives that go to that church think, or, um, you know, maybe it's, it's somebody that, um, is a volunteer worship leader and they just want the congregation to, to, to enjoy their voice and, and see how, um, how good they sing you know, that's when you're going to get burnt out because you're constantly seeking, um, the approval and the attention of man. Um, and that's just super dangerous place to be. It will never, um, you will never have any sustenance, um, with that, that motivation. Um, so just constantly knowing that, you know, whether you get some kind of reward or somebody notices or, whether nobody notices um, that God's noticing, you know, and that 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 will that will help people that are are volunteers and they're thinking, I'm not getting paid, you know, why should I do this? Um, because you are, you're you're getting paid with an inheritance. Yeah, no, that's that's great, Chris. I think calling people back into their, you know, their purpose and not their position is huge. Like you were saying. Like kind of keeping this is why you're doing what you're doing in front of people reminds them why they're serving in the first place. What are you guys doing at, at your churches to like Chris kind of talked like you got to set up other people to be able to handle a lot of the work. But um, what do you say to somebody who feels like they have too much work to be able to disciple? Um, and I'm saying that basically, I, I can see that with me and my team in, in our context. Sometimes it, it's, uh, there's so much work to do. We recognize the importance of discipleship and setting up others for success and getting volunteers up and running. But at the end of the day, there's just so many things to do. Like doing that discipleship process slows down the work getting done. So maybe you have some advice from me and my team on how do we jump over that? One of our core values as a church is we see simplicity as a strength. And the uh, when you have that as a focus, it makes it easy to look and say, oh, I've got 20 things to do. And then you can say, well, 
you really only need to do five of those, you know, Mm -hmm. 10, 15 of those things are either busy work that you've created or you, you have, uh, you have created something that is beyond what's needed and helpful. Um, and, and, and there's all kinds of reasons why churches or ministries or people do that, but you can help, you know, I think you can sit down with a person or a ministry, a group team and say, what, what's actually needed, what's actually necessary, then what's busy work. And then, and then you also can look at the individuals because different people have different bandwidths. And, uh, just because one of my volunteers can handle five things, uh, it doesn't mean that the other volunteers can handle all five of those things. And that's where you get in trouble because you have a high capacity staff leader who's paid to, uh, and, and because of that support is able to be full-time invested in church. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize that their volunteers, they are operating at a hundred percent, but their capacity is not the same. Uh, and sometimes we have high capacity people that are really, it feels like they're doing all this stuff, but they're only at 70%. And there's a lower capacity volunteer who's, who's operating closer to a hundred percent. And that's where you see burnout because mm-hmm. they're never going to keep up. And they're having to operate at a higher percentage rate to keep up, mm-hmm. you know, even close to keeping up. Yep. Yeah. So I think the main reason why a worship leader, a technical or a tech director, a production manager, why they're, desk gets filled with work is because them or their their management team is striving for excellence like no one does more things because they want a bigger task list they want to add things or incorporate things or do things better because they're trying to strive for excellence and one of the core values of a worship team here is excellence However, it's the second one because our first core value is is purpose and passion. And I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but I think as a worship leader, a very critical question you need to ask yourself is, am I pursuing Jesus, my purpose, before I am my, my guitar skill, my excellence? If you're pursuing your excellence more than your purpose, not only are you going to reach uh, – your capacity for burnout way quicker than anyone else. But also you're going to find yourself in a place where uh, you're doing busy work and you have no bandwidth for the purpose. And so I I think it's a balancing game. How do you find excellence in a Sunday service while still empowering and teaching and developing and discipling those around you? But at the same time, you need to understand that that empowerment, that spiritual leadership needs to come before making sure your guitar tone is dialed in perfectly. And I know as a musician that this sounds like a sin, like saying something like that, but there is a way to do both. But at the same time, if your excellence level needs to decrease so your purpose level can increase, that may what may be what you need to do so you have that bandwidth for for discipleship. So let's let's talk about like just list some practical things for people that are that are struggling. Um, you know, for me, my recommendations are number one, take a break. Um, make sure you have vacation time. Don't be don't let your church tell you, "I'm sorry, you can't take vacations." Um, number two. Uh, start training somebody 
that can help you. They could take your place when you're gone and you can trust them. You don't have to be constantly calling them like, all right, how's everything going? You know, blah, blah, blah. Make sure that they can operate fully when you're gone. Um, number three, um, write down things that you do. I'd, I'd suggest write down a list of everything you do um, and then look at that list and find find things on there that you could find somebody else that could do it, like a production manager. So if part of your role on a Sunday is getting the pastor's lapel and bringing it to him and checking the AC in the, you know, in the sanctuary, then, you know, those are two things that you don't have to be worried about that somebody else could be worrying about. Um, and then number four, which probably should be number one, actually, um, is, you know, check your spiritual health, um, your, your, your fellowship with other Christians, um, your, your, um, are you going to Bible study? Are you reading the word? You know, who are you, who are you serving? Are you serving your pastor? Are you serving the Lord? You know, um, what else? Give me, let's give me another one, Josh. Hmm. Yeah, man, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think the biggest one that you said, and all of us keep on going back to this almost subconsciously is this idea of taking breaks, also known as vacations. And I think the big thing inside of that, a vacation is not you sitting on the beach on your MacBook checking ProPresenter or mm. checking Planning Center. A vacation is you completely cutting off that workflow communication. Like there's a thing, there's a difference I think between a physical separation and an emotional and mental separation with a with a break with a vacation. Um, I know for me, um, I'm not in a in a place right now where I can take a full week off, but I am in a place where I can take several weekends off. And so I will go. I, I live in the San Francisco um, Bay Area, so I'll go up to Napa for a weekend. I'll go up to Yosemite for a weekend. I'll fly down to LA for the weekend if I feel like. So like I have ways of retreating myself for the weekend and I come back in three days fresh from being secluded. Um, yeah, the physical break's great, but that emotional mental break is what's really going to allow you to come back in with that same fervor and, and, and spirit that you had when you first started. Mm. I have a mentor that um, has encouraged. <laughs> I have a mentor that's encouraged me, um, just in the paradigm of Sabbath and like thinking through what a Sabbath is, and and he, he defines Sabbath for him as uh, a a lack of responsibility for a time, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to think about it because, for us, we think you know, like a biblical Sabbath was somewhere on the weekend. So the people that come to church, they're experiencing Sabbath that like just are attenders of church. But we, as the worship ministry, you know, we don't really get experience that we're executing, we're, we're presenting, we're working, we're doing, doing something for the people having Sabbath. So he, he was suggesting he's a lead pastor was saying that, um, for him, Sabbath is finding opportunity, and maybe it's not an entire day, but it's a half a day. It's a it's a time in which he's able to set down the responsibilities of the role that he's in. He's able to put the the pastoral work aside. I think you mentioned earlier, Josh, you got to find an opportunity to be able to not take it with you. Um, you have to be able to set it down, and 
the the concept for him or when he was sharing it with me was helpful because my church we do a saturday and a sunday uh service so there's really not necessarily an entire day that i could sabbath monday is my day off for for my job um, but then there's all the responsibility of family and kids and everything that goes along with that. So he was suggesting finding even just a few hours where all the responsibility is lifted and, and you can find that time where you're able to just do what you need to do. Maybe it's just go play guitar, but not in a context of practicing for the services, but, but find something that's uh, life-giving to you. Um, maybe it's playing Fortnite, dare I said it, but I'm not. <laughs> that's my world. I have an 11 year old, so I'm, just, I'm trying to hang in there. I don't get it. If you, if you understand Fortnite, shoot us a DM and tell us, tell me why it's better than all the other games I played when I was younger. Those are turning into an old guy anyway. Uh, but finding opportunity, uh, to be able to, uh, Sabbath, um, and release responsibility is really important. Yeah, that's good. I, I think maybe one thing too is uh, the way I've always viewed Sabbath, and I think that's so, so beautiful. The Sabbath doesn't mean Sunday, and I think mm-hmm. that that's where a lot of people get it wrong. But um, if you're not taking at least one day off, I think you need to understand one day off a week. Um, so six out of those seven days, you should be working as hard as you can, and that seventh day, you're not working at all. And if you are, you have to understand that you're competing with Jesus. And what I mean by that is uh, when Jesus created um, humanity, when he created what we know as creation, he didn't need a day off. We're talking about an all-knowing, infinite, all-powerful God did not need a day off. What he was doing was showing humanity an example Mm -hmm. of what it means to work hard and then to rest. So you not doing what Jesus showed us to do is you competing with how Jesus has created you. And so I would say first step is get your work schedule into a place where you can take off a full one day a week. If you do that, I think you're on a good start uh, to keeping your tank full. That's great. Yeah, even how you organize your day off. You know, I take two days off a week from the office. But one of those days I try to devote to what I call homework, you know, the things around the house that need to be done. You know, in Jesus's yeah. day, uh, it, homework and professional work were almost always linked. Um, you know, you, you're always an agrarian culture. You're always working. So I, I take two days off and then one day it tends to be Friday. That's the day I do errands. That's the day I go to Costco. That's the day I work in the yard. And then I try really hard to devote uh one day, usually Saturday, to family or to, you know, whatever's going on. Um, but, like, most people are not intentional with how they structure their week. And so if you can, I, I, I would suspect a lot of burnout comes because you're not intentional with how you structure your week. And then you are trying to get your guitar tone dialed in on Sunday morning. Whereas to me, Sunday morning is when I show up and I just plug everything in and I start playing because I've got my patches dialed in or I have, uh, I've practiced, I, you know, I've already practiced the song. I don't show up Sunday morning like, oh, hey, what songs are we playing? You know, mm-hmm. I, I've already gone over them. I'm ready for it. So you, if you dial in your schedule um, and that that's going to change from person to person and season to season. I get that. There's no formula. But the principle of being intentional with what you're doing and it could be that, you know, you're, you're goofing off when it's time to work. And then you're like, oh, I need to get this done. And you're stressed instead of saying, you know, if I just really buckle down and 
bust out whatever it is I need, whatever project I need to get done, whatever, whatever thing needs to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Then I'll be in a position to Sabbath and then I'll be in a position to show up on a Sunday morning and everything's dialed in. I don't have yep. to be stressed. I don't have to be running around. It's ready to go. Sure. That's great. Yeah. I think of what maybe to get to the whole point, like the burnout can come like guitar tone would be the proverbial uh, Phoenix or whatever. You can't ever quite get to it where it's flawless. Like nobody's ever going to be just absolutely satisfied and call it a day and leave it alone. <clears throat> so in that means that that task sitting before you just taking the guitar tone thing, like there's any litany of things that we're doing in ministry where we're never just completely satisfied with what we got. When at the end of the day, what we got is probably fantastic and going to work just fine. And then I think so avoiding burnout is figuring out how to, um, it's not compromise, but it maybe just settle in on like what, what you got going is pretty good and you don't, you can't yeah. ever obtain that perfection. Um, but you've, you can get some excellence in there and you can set up systems to put yourself in a healthy place. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking about what Adam, you said something like simple creates success or something like that earlier or simplicity creates success. But, um, I'm just thinking about that. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing myself on stage on a Sunday freaking out because my guitar tone is just awful. Right. And I'm the only person in the entire room who's probably even going to know. And so the big thing I think all of us can start with, including all four of us, is when we're in the middle of something that's stressing us out, we're in the middle of a project that we feel like is bringing us close to burnout, asking ourselves, is this excellence over purpose? Mm -hmm. And if it is, flip that switch, flip it around, flip that coin over and not only will you be able to breathe easy, but no one else will even know that your guitar tone was probably different. I love how guitar tone is the topic for this whole sure. thing. Yeah, we took it there. As it should be. Right. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM. Uh, we'll ask us more as we do these episodes. we got some guests coming up on podcasts in the future. And yeah, we would love to hear from you. So go ahead and catch us on Instagram. That's probably the best place to get us. And uh yeah, we look forward to hearing from you soon.